As I was saying, last episode, we were trying something different because we've both recently got into uh, uh, not a new podcast, but a new to us podcast. It's been going for about three or four years now. Four years, I think. It's called The Dollop. It's a great listen. Yeah, we talked about it last time, uh, and we talked about all the places you can get it, like the All Things Comedy Network and Apple Podcasts, and I get it at Spotify. Um, it's a bi-weekly American history podcast where Dave Anthony tells a story from American history to his friend Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. So they have some fantastic baseball ones. Uh, yes. So we started, we were inspired to uh, look up a little bit. We figured we'd do this in the off season because there, there's not much to talk about normally. So yes. uh, we can keep this going. And, and when we, in the past, when we have tried to talk about stuff in the off season, we are just reaching far beyond oh we're we're grasping right. yes just because we're not insiders we're just dudes that like baseball a lot i i have enough time normally that i i, I read all the blogs i i i you know follow along but at the same point like who the fuck are we to just like talk about trade rumors and all that bullshit mm-hmm. uh so we thought this would be entertaining uh as a Shall we begin? Yeah, Sean has a story for me this time. For yeah, so we're switching it up. I'm uh, gonna tell Edzy about a man named Bill James. Bill James, I know him. Who? How and do you know of, him? Of him. How? What? What does he do? Uh, he, for those who don't know, was the guy who kind of pioneered the sabermetrics. Wrong. No. Wrong. Oh. All okay. right. So I I am victim of a, a March, misconception. March twelfth, eighteen ninety two. Oh man, that's a long time ago. William Lawrence James is born in Iowa Hill, California. He's that old. <laughs> yes, and he's a, he's hundred and twenty four, and he just yells at Twitter Holy about uh fuck. about baseball players being being replaceable i thought he was still alive uh you're thinking of a different bill james oh okay this is the story of seattle bill james okay seattle and the bill. 1914 boston braves can you refer to him from now on as seattle bill uh we'll get to that okay right now so 1914 boston braves yes uh okay. william lawrence james is born iowa hills california the third of four children of william and emma james uh, Bill's parents, uh, you know, they were decently well off. Uh, his parents wanted him to go into mining like his dad. Uh, they encouraged him to study mining at the University of California. But Bill had other ideas. During three years at Oroville Union High School, he matured to 6'3", 195 pounds. Wow. That's a big that's kid. That's a big boy. That's a big kid. Like I, That's like me now. Like his spinach. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I'm like 30, and it took me forever to get past the 170 mark. Uh, anyways, I'm 175 right now. All right, well, let's let's just talk about our weight for That's the rest of this. <laughs> let's just talk. About, when was the last? Um, anyway, he became a pitching prodigy, uh, blessed with an exceptional fastball. After high school, Bill briefly 
acquiesced his parents' wishes and attended classes at St. Mary's College in Oakland. But when Seattle of the Northwestern League offered him a contract prior to the 1912 season, he left the school for good. Okay, so 1912, Seattle Bill goes to Seattle to play for... Well, he's not Seattle Bill yet. He's just Bill that's going to Seattle. I thought he was born in Seattle. He was born in Iowa Hill. I've oh, read one right, paragraph right. and you're already not listening. I love... <laughs> well, you... I got distracted and attached myself to the Seattle Bill. I'm opening a beer because of this. Okay. Carry on. (sighs) Okay. In Seattle, James added a spitball and change of pace to his arsenal. Uh, Impressive results followed and hastened his development into one of the most touted prospects in all of baseball. James pitched Seattle to the pennant in 1912 at one point reeling off 16 consecutive victories. At season's end, uh, his 29-7 record with a 2.17 ERA landed him a contract with the National League's Boston Braves. Mm. Uh, Where am I? It also left him with the nickname Seattle Bill. Okay, so he's Seattle Bill now. Yes. A moniker designed mostly to avoid confusion as the 1912 Cleveland Naps already featured a Big Bill James and a William Lefty James. So... <laughs> there's a lot of so Bill a, James. So you... Oh, okay. So you can understand my confusion in the, in the beginning. There's a lot of... I didn't of, realize that there were so many Bill James. So, the, okay, so there's Big Bill. And there's Lefty there's James. Lefty James. And now there's Seattle Bill and James. And now there's Seattle Bill James. Okay. All right. So, uh, the Braves were not good. Okay. They really fucking sucked. Uh, Braves had been last place team for a decade, averaging 100 losses a year. Remember, they only playing like 140 games, mm-hmm. or 142 or whatever. So they're the shits. Yeah, they're t- and they played in a rickety ballpark that seated only 5,800 people. And if you know your history, Fenway Park was being built or almost, it was, I think it was 1912 that it was finished. Yes, 1912, so, it was open. So, we'll get to that later. Um, also in 1912, the Braves were sold the Titanic to, sunk. Yes, it did, in April, I think. So the Braves are the Titanic. <laughs> of- <laughs> they, 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 they really suck. So they're sold to new owners. Uh, there was a bunch of, there, the new owners were just like, now there was like three or four businessmen. One was a Hall of Fame pitcher, uh, and uh, either way, they, they came in and they wanted to make the team relevant. So the new owners hired George Stallings. <laughs> George Stallings is my favorite fucking person in the fact that, like, not, like, he's terrible. But let's Really just, close to Stalin. Yeah. It, George Stallings. So Stallings was born in Augusta, Georgia, just a few years after the end of the Civil War. That didn't stop him from continuing the battle between the South and the North for his entire life. That's a good thing to read about a person. Um, <laughs> red flag. Yeah, that's a red. <laughs> that guy's your coach. So do we wonder? <laughs> just, just, just. Let's, okay. let's put a pin in that. Yeah. Okay. Stallings was a proud Southerner who possessed. What they called in the 19th century a colorful tongue. Oh. 
It, could that could that be a euphemism for racist tongue? Yeah, I I think what the, they're literally saying a colorful tongue, mm-hmm. in the fact that he was terrible <laughs> with it to yeah. people of color. Because what else could you really mean? Yeah, no. So he was a racist, a shitty, shitty racist. Okay. Uh, so he was a crusty, and some say maybe even sadistic plantation owner, another red flag, um, who could fly into a schizophrenic rage over a dropped fly ball. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That shouldn't help you. But I guess at the time, that was probably... Maybe what they needed. That was what was thought maybe you needed. We need a hard-ass racist to turn this team around. Okay, so not only was he racist, but he was extremely superstitious as well. Oh, good. So it's like racism and superstition were like like neck and neck for the gold medal at the Olympics. For, for what was the defining crazy characteristic of this man? He hated yellow signs and yellow clothing. <laughs> What is what was with people at this juncture in time? Because there's an episode of the dollop called The Rube on Rube Waddell, who was a very good pitcher around this time in history. And what was strange about him was he chased fire trucks. And he loved red. Yeah. Uh, well this guy, so Stallings Stallings hated Yellow signs and yellow clothing, apparently. Like, God, what if the pirates ever hired him? Oh, man. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, okay. And then he, he, yellow ballpark advertisements had to be painted over before he'd let the team play. <laughs> so not only was he crazy superstitious, but he was just an asshole to everybody. Like, I don't know if that means so, on the road so like or... in the, yeah. Um, <laughs> On the, in the other team's ballparks, he'd, he'd be like, paint over that yellow sign or we ain't coming. Can you imagine the first team meeting and dude, what the one dude that happens to be wearing like an article of yellow clothing? Just like, hey guys, I got a new shirt. What do you think? New coach walks in? What You're the cut. fuck? You're cut. Get out. He did. So no, 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 he didn't. He, I'm sure he might have, okay. but he did. He did uh, reorganize the team, and and he did let go of a lot of old veteran players, and in choosing young rookies like Bill James mm-hmm. uh, to come in and take their place. Uh, not only that, you thought the yellow clothing was crazy. Oh God, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets. It, no, it 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 gets more ridiculous. He would freeze in position when his team started a rally. Once the Braves rallied, <laughs> once the Braves rallied as he was picking up a pebble in the dugout, after the rally was over, his back was so stiff he had to be helped off the field. So the team started a rally as he was picking up a pebble, and he remained bent over picking up that pebble for the rest of the game. The inning. Oh, the inning. The inning. Until the rally was over. Oh, my God. But they fucking had a huge... They'd scored, like, six or seven runs. So he's, like... So that's a long time. This is your this is your manager. <laughs> you imagine John Gibbons just, like, <laughs> leaning, like... Oh, what are you doing, John? Not, we're, don't... We're, we're on rally. Don't, 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 don't touch me. Don't touch me. Stay away from me tomorrow. <laughs> Everybody freeze! 
Um, he also hated peanut shells and pieces of paper on the field, uh, much to the delight of his mischievous opponents and, and other, and the crowds. <laughs> so like, I don't understand, like, first of all, like, I don't know how many pieces of paper are supposed to be thrown on a field, but peanut shells, like, like, I want to say something in hindsight. All right, go for I it. I think this guy was a good choice for the team. I, dude, you're wrong. No, you're, you're wrong. Why were they were they successful? We'll find out. So, in okay. when he first met his players, he's he just told me too easily fucked with. He's crazy. I know. Who just irrationally hates yellow to the point of? Anyways, so he told his players. Do what you want, but don't end up in jail and come to play every day. Which is sound words, especially to a group of youngsters. That's freedom. Yeah, that's freedom. So he was strict, and he was an asshole and a racist, but he was a, he was a player's manager. He was like, you know what, just don't kill anybody. So, like, Asuna would have gotten in a lot of trouble, because uh, he got arrested. Yeah. So, <laughs> not to make light of that. But uh, that's basically, he was just like, do whatever you want. Just don't. Just don't get caught. Yes. Uh, All right, Skip. <laughs> Daryl Strawberry would have loved playing. For you could do. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't get arrested. At least not when he was playing. Uh, so he was a hard manager to play for, but was brilliant analytically. Stallings utilized several platoon arrangements with the Braves and is credited as the first major leaguer to use or major league manager to l- use a platoon. He was extremely high-strung and hated when pitchers walked batters. And according to legend, when Stallings was dying of heart disease at age 61, when asked by the physician why he had a bad heart, Stallings replied, Base on balls, Doc. Those damn base on balls. <laughs> well. So he would scream at you if you dropped a fly ball. He would fucking lose his mind... To the point of heart failure if you walked a guy. But he was real easy going if you wanted to get shit-faced and do anything other than get arrested. Hey, life's about balance, man. Yeah. Uh, so the Braves finished in fifth place in 1913 uh, with a record of 69 wins and 82 losses. Uh, his first year with the Braves, Bill James, uh, the rookie. Seattle Bill. Seattle Bill. Uh, first year... He was 6 and 10, 135 innings pitched with a 279 ERA and a 1.4 whip. So, not great numbers, but not yeah, bad no. numbers. He was used out of the bullpen, started some games. He was a rookie. They're getting a feel for him and all that. Uh, so, he did good enough that he'd be back the next year. Uh, once again in 1914, the Jays were not expect or the Jays, the Braves were not expected. <laughs> To contend, uh, they were they were able to purchase uh, the contract of Cubs second baseman slash manager player manager and future Hall of Famer Johnny Evers. So Johnny Evers joined the Braves. Uh, him and Seattle Bill have a big part to come. So 1914 did not start off well though. Why? Uh, the team lost 18 of 22 games to start the year. Ooh. So they were four and 18 to start the year. Okay. It, it was a really, really bad start. 
Uh, James also had a rough start to 1914. He pitched all right, but the team couldn't score any runs. Seattle Bill. Seattle Bill. Uh, I'm just going to call him James. His name's James. Yeah, but there's th- you said there's two other James? Yeah, they play on different teams. Oh, they don't okay. come up again any other time. Okay. So, uh, he lost. the team lost seven of the first ten games he pitched in. Uh, and they spent the first part of the season in last place. Uh, posting a record of 26 wins and 40 losses uh, on July 4th. So that's not good. No. Uh, To make matters worse, they had traveled to Buffalo to play an exhibition game against a minor leaguer team, and they were destroyed. They they lost to the Bisons? Well, I guess. It's probably the Bisons. Maybe. They've been around for a long time. I didn't look up what the Buffalo team was called, but they lost 10 to 2. Not that long. 10 to 2. So they were embarrassed as fuck. Like, they were... Well, you would be. Yeah. And Bill James pitched in that game. Seattle Bill James pitched in that game, and they got smashed by a minor league team. Yeah. So second baseman Johnny Evers, mm-hmm. who's one of the older guys on is the team. Is he a manager? No, I guess he's not He's a not a manager. He's just a second baseman. Because George Stallings is there. Yeah. So Evers calls out his team, saying they had lost to a soap company team. I guess that was a bad thing. If you if you worked at a soap company, you sucked at baseball. We lost to the cleanest team in the league. <laughs> <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> mm. I mean, if they were a dirty team, <laughs> but they were a soap company they team. They weren't a dirt company team. Yeah. <laughs> um, Evers told the team of youngsters so they needed to believe in themselves. And somehow this worked. This is also somewhat hearsay, because, no, you know, they, 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 they were basically were... Evers gave the speech, and, like, Bugs Bunny and Space Jam, and he's like, oh, I believe no in Twitter your... back then. Yeah. Uh, so... Here we got Seattle Bill's <laughs> secret stuff. After that, the Braves and Bill James so. started one of the greatest streaks in baseball history. Oh. Do uh, tell. Uh, James lost... Seven to five on July fourth. After that, he went nineteen and one with two saves and a one five one ERA, pitching twenty one complete games in twenty four games started. That is fucking sick. That's pretty good, man. Yeah. He held teams to a two fifteen batting average and a five thirty one OPS over the rest of the year. His only loss was a 3-2, 12-inning game against Pittsburgh. So he pitched a 12-inning yeah, game. Yeah, that's pretty good considering. So if he if he had uh, won that game, I think either way, I think that he would have won 20 straight games, which would be mm-hmm. easily a record. Yes, still probably to this day. Wow. <laughs> Probably forever. <laughs> yeah, especially nowadays. Like, it's hard enough to get twenty wins. Yeah, Blake Snell got twenty wins. So the Braves yeah. didn't just have James, but they also had pitchers Dick Rudolph and Lefty Tyler. Uh, all three were dominating. So, so there's Lefty Tyler, Lefty James. Yeah, he played. They, Lefty James plays on a different team. There's lots of lefties and lots of guys named Bill. <laughs> I got a lot of nicknames back then. Yeah, no. 
but Dick Rudolph and Bill James were were the were the two they were the two big righties that were just throwing gas and they fucking own shit in the second half of the season. Uh, so rallying around the three pitchers over the final eighty seven games, they went sixty eight and nineteen. Uh, it's a, a seven eighty two winning percentage. I think with the Jays in fifteen, I think they were like just over seven hundred winning percentage, or like was it like a seven fifty? These guys were. 782 for basically the last two-thirds of the season. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, they won the National League pennant by 10 and a half games, becoming the first team to win a pennant uh, after being in last place on the 4th of July. Hmm. This is like the greatest comeback That's, in history. Yeah. On top of that, uh, the Red Sox, the cross-town... Cross-town rivals. Uh, yeah, they were in different leagues. When the yeah. Braves were National League and the Red Sox... The Red Sox started letting the Braves use Fenway Park because their 5,600-person stadium when this huge street. Like, imagine it like it was pretty much like what happened to the Jays in August and and September, mm-hmm. but it happened starting in July. And it was just crazy because they had so many people showing up to the games. They were, especially when the Giants came to town, who was like the the first place team that they were catching up to. Yeah. Like they just had too many people, so they just used Fenway Park, and the and the Red Sox were like chill about it. Yeah. They weren't they weren't Texas Rangers about it because there was money to be made, probably. Oh yeah, definitely. And also uh, not dicks. Yeah. So they win the pennant. And they're going to the World Series. All right. Connie Mack and the Philadelphia Athletics are waiting for them in the World Series. Okay. Uh, the Athletics at the time, the Philadelphia Athletics, they were a dynasty team pretty much. Yes. They had won three of the last four World Series. Uh, okay. They were led by Hall of Fame pitchers Eddie Plank and Chief Bender, uh, as well as Hall of Fame infielders Eddie Collins and Home Run Baker. Home Run Baker. Everyone expected an easy series win by the powerhouse A's because they were just good. And the Braves, like, obviously the Braves were good, but they were, they were not the Philadelphia Athletics. They were the dogs. Yeah, exactly. They were, they were a nice story. They were the Cinderella team. Yeah. Uh, and there were a few people at the time saying, I don't know, but like a majority of people were just like, like it was... It was kind of, I don't want to use that analogy because it doesn't work. I was going to say it's like kind of like how everybody was thinking Houston was going to beat Boston this year, and but that's stupid because Boston's really good. Yeah. These guys had been last place. This would be like if, you know, if, if the Reds all of a sudden won the pennant yeah. after being in last place in July. Uh, anyway, so the, the athletics are really good. Uh, the attitude was reflected in the team's case when they won the pennant or when the pennant was assured to the A's, Connie Mack gave a bunch of guys like a week off or two or just like, you know, let them chill. He didn't, wasn't too worried about them getting rusty or anything, especially because they were playing this shit team probably. Uh, and they were the best. Like they won three out of four World Series. Yeah. You don't need to, Yeah, you know, you're probably pretty confident that your guys don't need to play every day to stay in. Yeah, so Connie Mack... Connie Mack gave pitcher Chief Bender a week off and told him to scout the Braves personally. Instead, that leaves an opportunity to be poisoned, I would say. (laughs) 
Yeah, just go down and watch the Braves. Just go down to the stadium and watch them. Hey, isn't that Bender? Poisonous drink. Well, he was smart. He avoided it. He Instead of doing that, he took a vacation. Oh, uh, smart man. When scolded by Connie Mack, he replied, Why should I check out a bunch of Bush League hitting? Or Bush League hitters, I guess. It sounds like they're underestimating the Braves, Sean. I They might be. So Chief Bender probably should have. Should have. His name's Chief Bender? You We went to the Hall of Fame together like two years ago. Did you not see Chief Bender's exhibit there? No. Dude, come on. Yeah. He was a Native American and one of the best pitchers of all time. What a sweet name, though. Well, it's kind of like I doubt he walked into the athletics clubhouse and was like, call me Chief. <laughs> and, uh, I'm sure he did. No. <laughs> but... Anyway, <laughs> colorful tongues and all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's true. He probably should have because the A's were trounced in game one, seven to one by the Braves. Oh. Bender pitched, I think, seven or eight innings, and it did not go well for him. Uh, so there was some rust. And he just didn't give he thought he was better than them mm-hmm. he was like i don't need to go scout him mm-hmm. as james got the start for game two and turned into one turned one of the greatest world series performances in history seattle bills on it yeah pitching against eddie plank the two pitchers put on a show james only allowed three base runners in the first eight innings picking off two of them and holding philadelphia scoreless so now he's three base runners and he's just like Bam, gotcha. Uh, Just cruising. Yeah. Plank matched him until the ninth when Amos Strunk lost Charlie Deal's fly ball to the sun for a double. Deal then stole third and scored on a two-out single by Les Mann. James walked two batters in the bottom of the ninth, but got Eddie Murphy to ground. Eddie Murphy. Ground into a game-ending double play to give Boston a 2-0 advantage in the World Series, coming back home to Fenway. Oh. Uh, Surprising. (laughs) So. I bet Connie Mack is not happy. uh, Yeah, he's not happy. He's, everybody's just like, what the hell? Yeah, what is happening? Yeah, like this is, this is, this is, yeah. This would be whatever. Seattle Bill and the Braves? Yeah, this is the Diamondbacks of 2001. Yes. Like, in the World Series analogy, at least. Like, everybody thought the Yankees was going to trounce them, and they, they, they made it. Anyway, didn't. they didn't. So, here's where things get colorful. Again, <laughs> terrible. Okay. Uh, back Stop in Boston, it. the row rooters paraded in the field in Indian dress. <laughs> it was a different time. <laughs> so, the row rooters, for those of you who don't know, they were a Boston uh, support group. Uh, very influential rich people like uh, I think Kennedy's grandfather or Jackie Kennedy's grandfather and father and all these famous Bostonites rich people they they loved the Royal Rooters Club they were they were big fans and they got wasted and did a bunch of racist shit and started some riots uh, so in this case they dressed in full Indian dress and paraded on the field. They sang their fight song, Tessie, throughout Game 3, unnerving the A's pitchers. <laughs> so. Right on. Bunch of rich, old white people dressed as natives screaming at you. Uh, yeah, that'd be terrifying. That'd be scary. Yeah. Uh, game 3 was tied 
at two in extra innings. In the tenth, in the tenth, home run Baker hit a two run, two out home run. No, oh, <laughs> hit a two out, two run single to give the A's a four two lead. But Hank Gowdy led off the bottom of the inning with a home run, and the Braves were able to manufacture a run to tie the game on a Joe Connolly sack fly. James, who had pitched a complete game in Game 2, came out for the 11th. Uh, he pitched two scoreless innings. Oh, it didn't work. He pitched two scoreless innings. I think he walked a couple guys, but he but he didn't allow a hit. And, and the Braves... upsetting Starling. No, stalling. Yeah, no. That's the thing is this guy like walked a lot of. It was he was like a power arm that would walk people. But at the okay. same point, he had everything going for him this year. Uh, so the Braves prevailed in the bottom of the twelfth on an error when the A's tried to get an out at third on a bunt, and they overthrew the third baseman and uh, it went into left field and the Braves win. It's three nothing. Three nothing Braves. Three nothing. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have too much about Game Four. The Braves finished the sweep. 3-1, the A's were held to a 172 batting average with no home runs in the World Series. They had a guy named Home Run. (laughs) They didn't hit a home run in all four games. Uh, His name should be Double Baker. (laughs) Ground out Baker. All right. Uh, It was the first World Series ever to end in a sweep. So that's huge, especially that's early in the history of World Series. But yeah. still, there'd been like twenty probably by well, that point. Well, you think the A's was the first one, nineteen oh three? It was no, there. so I guess it was like ten or fifteen. But either way, the A's had won three of the last four, and they hadn't swept any of those. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That's what happens when you think you're better than think everybody. you're better overestimating. Go on vacation. Yep. Instead of scouting, if they just done what Connie Mack said. <laughs> The series inspired the wildest celebration ever. Oh, no. <laughs> Fans swarmed the dugout, demanding Stallings give a speech on top of the speech. dugout. Speech! <laughs> Marinville, one of the, the... Say something racist! Marinville, who I believe one of one of the owners, uh, the, the one of the pitchers who had, who like owned the team, that bought the team... Wait, was one of the pitchers owned no, no, the team? No, I told you, the new ownership... One of them was like a famous pitcher from the past. Oh, okay. So it's like the Derek Jeter in Miami thing. Like right, he was a right. he was a famous player. <laughs> Marinville was dragged from the shower half dressed. He gave a speech on top of the dugout. <laughs> the Rooters play the the Rooters band played Tessie. Five thousand fans marched around the park and through the fence and down Huntington Avenue, where they s- serenaded the A's at Copley Plaza. I guess that's where the A's were staying. <laughs> Uh, so there's just like a mob of people so outside, just, and just like, oh, we're gonna sing Cassie, and it's just like pure Boston. Boston fans <laughs> suck. Man. Uh, the team became known as the Miracle Braves, and remain one of the most storied comebacks in baseball history. But the franchise would not win another pennant until 1948. So this was a, and then they lost anyway. Yes. To the Indians. Yes. Uh, so, James' numbers in 1914 uh, were 332 innings pitched, a 190 ERA, with 30 complete games. He was only 22, and he was pegged to be baseball's next big star. No doubt. 
He was such a uniquely gifted pitcher that John J. Ward of Baseball Magazine predicted the further acquisition of experience should make one of the great him one of the greatest all-round pitchers in history. When he wrote these words, Ward probably never never could have imagined that this talented pitcher who already had 32 major league wins behind him would only get five more. So he wasn't the next big thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair to say, ice cold takes or whatever would would be retweeting that. Yes. A few a few years later, uh, despite his success and status as a World Series hero, obviously he pitched a complete game and got a save. Mm-hmm. Uh, James expressed ambivalence about life in the major leagues. I liked the game well enough, he told Baseball Magazine after the series, but I can't get used to the long jumps from one city to another. It looks nice from the outside to think of traveling around the country, but one sweep of the circuit's enough. After it becomes hard and disagreeable work. Ironically, he got his chance to see Major League Baseball from outside soon enough. So, he doesn't really like the traveling or anything. He's over it. He's over it. He's like, yeah, it was fun. I'm going to go mind stuff now. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, James reported late to camp the next spring uh, after a brief holdout induced the Braves to double his salary. So he was like, I'm a big thing now. Give me all the money. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> Seattle Bill, I don't know if you've heard of me. I was your World Series hero. It was a big deal in Seattle. People know me. Boston to Seattle. Everywhere along the way. Um, it soon became apparent that he was a mere shadow of the pitcher who had dominated the league the previous year. From the start of the season, James complained of chronic arm fatigue, and initially the press took a dim view of the injury, dismissing his protests as petulant whining of an overpaid athlete. But by June, reduced velocity and flagging endurance forced James out of the starting rotation. After a poor relief appearance on July 30th, he was shelved for the rest of the year. Uh, Braves hoped a long rest throughout the winter would do well for James' arms, but it was not to be. In late March 1916, teammate Johnny Evers, the dude that rallied them all, signaled the end was near when he said to reporters, his arm's gone. Bill knows it. It's gone. We know it. It's gone. It's just not even there. Surely It was an accident. Shortly thereafter, the only 24-year-old pitcher was placed on the voluntary retired list. The press described the injury as dead arm, but in all likelihood... He probably tore his rotator cuff. I think that's more extreme than dead arm. Well, back in the day, they didn't really have the means to repair that. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he he had he was a power pitcher and he was fantastic, and then his arm just died. and his arm died. So he left baseball. Uh, at the beginning of the U.S. involvement in World War One, James was an instructor. At a bomb, at bomb throwing, <laughs> bomb throwing, <laughs> bomb throwing. He was a bomb throwing instructor with the with the rotator cuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With how you throw it, kids. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> he was in the sixty third infantry during the World War One. 
and yeah, he 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 was just like, well, what did you do? I'm a baseball player. All right. Oh, oh you can teach the kids to throw things. <laughs> we don't have planes capable of dropping bombs yet, so so you just throw it as far as you can. Um, so after serving in World War One. Uh, James pitched one relief game for the Braves in 1919. He spent the next several years bouncing around the Pacific Coast League and other minor league teams, uh, and he was a player coach, uh, concluding his career in Sacramento in 1925. Uh, Bill lived with his wife, who he married in 1924. Couple had a daughter. Cool. Uh, He worked as a truck driver for an oil company for several years, and later an assessor for Butte County, which is in the news because of the fires. Holy shit. Uh, and he uh, he died of a stroke in 1971, two days shy of his 79th birthday. He's buried in Memorial Cemetery in Oroville, California. Cemetery? Cemetery <laughs> in Oroville, California. California. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, you didn't see that one coming. No, that's not the Bill James I thought you were going to I knew it. I told you. I'm like, Bill James, you're like, don't tell me anything. I'm like, no, it makes it better that I tell you it's about Bill James. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good swerve. Yeah. 1914. 1914 Boston Braves. It was pretty sick. And, uh... I feel like maybe there was something about that in the... Reuters Museum. Oh, there definitely was. They went insane. (laughs) It wasn't even the Red Sox, too. They were just like, wow! Well, there was a whole section on on Fenway there, so... Yeah. I imagine it was there. Yeah, so... uh, But anyway, that was a cool story. Yeah, so we're gonna... Listen, if you are listening to us, you just listen to that. (laughs) I was was gonna be like, yeah, so check it out. (laughs) Um... So we're going to keep trying to do more of those in the off-season. Uh, we think it's fun to yeah, and surprise each other with crazy stories. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, follow us on Twitter, at BirdBabyBirds. Uh, if you have, like, suggestions of stories you want to hear about... Message. Yeah, send us DMs or tweet at us or whatever. Participate in the conversations that we're having, because that's fun. All right. Uh, thanks for listening to the Jage said. I'm Eds. I'm Sean. We'll probably talk to you after the GM meetings at some point, and when more shit has happened, at least. Yeah, we'll have more stuff to talk about. But anyways, until then, uh, bye. <laughs>